Look at your word. Lord, we understand that your Bible is perfect. We understand that we can learn something from every scripture. Lord, I ask that you just please, please help us. We love you, Lord, so much. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, we're going to study there in uh, the book of Genesis. And uh, we come up to Genesis chapter number 5. Now, as you can tell, that might be a difficult uh, sermon (laughs) to preach. Uh, to preach a, a dynamic, you know, not boring sermon out of uh, Genesis chapter number 5 because the whole, the whole chapter is uh, genealogies, pretty much. But I, I want to read for you a verse. You don't have to turn there, but I just want you... And this isn't part of the sermon, but I just want you to, to know something, understand something. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 in verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction... For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So I, I want you to understand something. The Bible says that all Scripture is profitable. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So when, when you're, you know, Lord willing, you're reading your Bible every day, and when you come to uh, passages like Genesis chapter 5, that it's, that it's entire just, uh, you know, so-and-so began so-and-so, and so-and-so began so-and-so. Don't, don't skip through that. You know, don't just, a lot of times people say, oh, that's not important, they skip that, and they go to the next, uh, to the next passage. Don't do that. Because the Bible says that all Scripture is profitable. And there are a few things in Genesis chapter 5, um, again, I, I, there's something else I want to show you, not part of the sermon, but I just want you to see it. If you look in Genesis chapter number 5 and look at verse uh, 2, well, I'll just start from verse 1. It says, this is the book of the generation of Adam. And in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them. We preached on that this morning. Male and female, you can listen to that online if, if you missed that, but uh, the difference between a male and a female and how they should uh, dress and how they should act there. But um, it says, male and female created them and blessed them, and look what it says, and called their name Adam. So the Bible says that God called their, plural, Adam and Eve, He called them both Adam. You know, uh, and, and this isn't part of the sermon, it's just something interesting that I want you to see that I don't want you to miss that. You know, today we live in a society where people, women marry a husband and they refuse to take their last name. They'll say, uh, you know, and you see this a lot with like movie stars or whatever, uh, they'll, they'll marry somebody and then they won't take their name. Well look, that's a very, that's a very biblical principle found in the Bible. When my wife married my name, as reluctant as she might have wanted to be because my name isn't easily pronounced for Americans sometimes, she became, she was Joanne Clark, and she became Joanne Jimenez, and that came from the Bible, because the Bible says, when God created Adam and Eve, He looked at both of them, and He said, you're both Adam. So He called them Adam. So that's a, that's a very uh, scriptural thing. Again, it has nothing to do with the sermon. I just didn't want to pass that up, because it's there in the Bible, and I want you to just know something from the Bible. But what I do want you to look at is Genesis chapter number 5, and look at verse 21. We're just going to look at uh, one story of one individual in Genesis chapter number 5, And look at verse number 21. Genesis chapter number 5. And look at verse 21. The Bible says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And look what it says. And Enoch walked with God, after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And look what it says in verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What a great description of a man's life. Right? That the Bible would say of a man, Enoch walked with God. But when you think about it, what does that really mean? 
When the Bible says that, Enoch walked with God. What, what, what does that mean? When the Bible says he walked with God, what can we learn from that? What can we learn from that statement? What can we learn from that man's life? That God himself would look down from heaven and say, Hey, Enoch, he walked with me. And I want to just uh, preach for a few moments. It won't be very long. Um, one thing you're going to learn about Verity Baptist Church is when we have, church at, when we have food afterwards, the sermon is fast. So, um, so we, we won't be long tonight, but I want you to just know a few things about, uh, about what this means to walk with God. Enoch walked with God. What does that mean? Well, point number one, it means that Enoch was living a pure or holy life. Enoch was living a pure or holy life. I'd like you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Jude in the, Old, in the New Testament. It's the book right before the book of Revelation. So if you get to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the book right before it, it's the book of Judas, one chapter, it's very small. More than likely, it's one page in your Bible. And look at Jude chapter number, well, there's only one chapter, look at, look at verse 4. Jude 1, and look at verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 14. I said verse 4, but I meant 14. You were listening wrong. Jude 14, look at that. Jude 14, the Bible says, And Enoch also... So we have here a reference. Someone is referring back to Enoch from the Old Testament, which we saw there in that lineage. It says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, look what it says, prophesied of these, saying, now I don't have time to get into it. We've, we've uh, showed this from the Bible before, but when the Bible uses the word prophesied, it's just talking about preaching. It's what I'm doing right now. I'm standing up and I'm opening my mouth and I'm preaching the Word of God. A lot of times we think of prophecy as just foretelling the future, and that's definitely part of prophecy, but that's not the only type of prophecy uh, found in the Bible. But, it, but, but what Enoch is doing is it's doing a little bit of both, because he says, um, and Enoch also, the same from Adam, prophesied of these same. So this is what Enoch, when he would stand up to preach, this is what Enoch was saying. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. And he said, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information about Enoch, like it does about uh, David, or the Apostle Paul. But, we can gather a few things from the scriptures that do talk about Enoch. The Bible says in Genesis 5 that Enoch walked with God. The Bible says in Jude, uh, it gives a, a, a little ex excerpt of when Enoch preached, and it said that he prophesied, and he was saying, and this is what he said, he said, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of saints. Now, this tells us, and, and just if you don't understand, what Enoch is preaching is he's preaching about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's preaching about one day, Jesus Christ is going to come with 10,000 of His saints, and He's going to execute judgment upon this world, and He's preaching, and, and it really is uh, prophet-style preaching, because He's talking about the future, but He's saying, one day Jesus Christ is going to come, the Lord is going to come, and He's going to execute judgment upon this world. Well, what that tells me is this. Go to 1 John, chapter number 3. This is all introduction. Uh, and I want you to understand, you know, what we're talking about. But go to 1 John, chapter number 3. It should be right there, very close to Jude, right in front of it. Uh, you'll have Jude, you'll have 3 John, which is one chapter, and you have 2 John, which is one chapter, and then you have uh, 1 John. You have 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, which has uh, five chapters in it. But I want you to go to 1 John, chapter number 3, and look at verse 2. 1 John, chapter number 3, and look at verse 2. 
Now, we saw there in Jude that Enoch, when he stood up to preach, he was preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He was preaching about the Lord coming in the clouds with 10,000 saints. He was preaching about uh, what's going to happen in the future. He was preaching about, um, you know, prophecy. This tells us that he was, at the very least, thinking about and conscious about this event that Jesus Christ was coming back. Alright? Now, with that in mind, look at 1 John chapter number 3 and look at verse 2. 1 John chapter number 3 and look at verse 2. The Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. For we know that when He shall appear, talking about Jesus Christ, says, We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So 1 John chapter number 3 and verse 2 is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Do you, do you get that? Is that pretty simple to, to see that? Look at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope, what hope? The hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. The hope that one day we're going to see Him as He is. The hope that one day He's going to appear and He's going to come back with 10,000 of His saints to execute judgment. The Bible says, And every man that hath this hope in Him, look what it says. I want you to see those next two words. Purifieth Himself, even as He, referring to Jesus Christ, is pure. Do you see that? So the Bible says, when a man has this hope that one day uh, his Savior is going to come back the second time, the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's going to come back to execute judgment upon this earth. The Bible says when we have hope that we're going to see Jesus Christ, that person that has hope, they take time to purify themselves even as Jesus Christ is pure. Do you see that? So according to the Bible, if a man understands eternal, the eternal values of life, the fact that life is not just a job, the fact that life is not just uh, what we do here day to day, not just getting up tomorrow and going to work and going to school or feeding the kids, but if we understand that our life is, is more than just this uh, vapor uh, that, that's just a very short time, but it's, it's, it, there's an eternal consequence to our actions now. And what we do now will affect us in eternity. When someone understands that, the Bible says they purify themselves. So what can we gather about Enoch? When the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, we, we know this. Enoch was living a pure and holy life. Because if he was preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ, then he had that hope. And what did he do? According to the Bible, he purified himself. And I just want to challenge you tonight. If you would like to have this testimony, which I would hope all of you would, that it would be said of you when you die, Man, you know, so-and-so, they, they just walked with God. It's not going to happen unless you start doing some very heavy-duty purifying of yourself. You, you know what that word purifying means? It means to sanctify. It means to get yourself uh, to, to remove the dirt, to remove... Uh, it, it means to be pure. So you're going to have to start... This is what you're going to have to start doing. This is what Enoch would do. He would start taking the things in his life that maybe the Bible said, hey, you shouldn't do that, or you shouldn't go there, or you shouldn't do, uh, think this way, or you shouldn't do those things. And he would start removing those things and removing the sin. And as he removed the sin, he purified himself and he had, he, he had that uh, desire to purify himself because he said, hey, one day Jesus Christ is coming back. And you want to know why you live in a life of sin? You want to know why Christians all across this country live a life of sin? And we have Christians all over America tonight and uh, that, that are just, you know, playing the game, coming to church, but just living their life. And when you, and you watch their life, and it's no different than the world. You, you, don't, you want to know why? It's because we don't understand that there is an eternal value to our life. We don't have this hope that one day, see, you live for the happiness that your life can provide for you now. You live for the happiness, you know, you have some physical desire, and you say, I want to fulfill that desire. Or you have some emotional desire, you say, I want to fulfill that desire. You say, I, I have this craving, or I have this sin. I have this thing I want to fulfill. But if you would just decide and realize that one day, 
this physical desire doesn't matter. But there is an eternal life of riches and glory and rewards that you can receive if you just purify yourself. You say, man, you know what? Uh, the, the benefits package in that world is better than this world. The retirement plan that God has for me is better than the retirement plan that the world can offer me. And that type of person that has that hope that says, hey, you know, I understand that my life is just a vapor. It's going to just fade away, but I know that I have an eternal life and I'm going to work towards that life. He says, hey, when you understand that, that's when you start purifying yourself. So what does it mean? Enoch walked with God. Well, what it means is that Enoch lived a life of purifying himself because we see him preaching. And what is he preaching about? One day, Jesus Christ is going to come. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with His saints. But not only that, if you want more proof, look at this. Look at what he was actually preaching. Uh, are, you, are you there in, in you're there in First John, right? Go back to Jude. Just a few pages back. Jude chapter number 1 and look at verse 14. Jude chapter number 1 and look at verse 14. Jude chapter number 1 and look at verse 14. Look at what he's actually saying. See, I love how the Bible just completely fits all the time. Because look, John, not talking about uh, Enoch, says, hey, if you've got this hope, then you're going to purify yourself. And then, and then Enoch, in a, a completely different book, written by another person, we understand it was written by the Holy Ghost and God, but uh, that another man was used to write, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from, Ad, from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. And he says, look at verse 15, To execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are, look what it says, ungodly, among them, of all their, look what it says, ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I mean, does it seem a little re- repetitive? Does it seem a little repetitive that, that Enoch would just be preaching? He's like, hey, look, he's coming to prove all the ungodly among you and their ungodly deeds and all their ungodly sinners and all their hard speeches. And he just keeps using this word, ungodly, 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 ungodly. Why is that? Because when you start living a life of purifying yourself, you start noticing something, the ungodly. See, right now, it's okay for you to just brush up against this world and you, have all, and you may have friends or you may have neighbors or you may have co-workers and you just get along just fine with the ungodly. You know why? Because you're not purifying yourself. Your sin is just as much as their sin. They're drinking alcohol, you're drinking alcohol. They're watching filth on television, you're watching filth on television. They're listening to stupid music, you're listening to stupid ungodly music, and you can't tell the difference between the ungodly because you look just like them. But Enoch said, hey, I've got a hope. I've got, I, I know that one day Jesus is coming back. He said, I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to purify my life, and you know what happens when I start cleaning up my life? I start noticing the filth. If you ever, if you ever get, uh, you know, just get, get really dirty, like playing out, like you go, if, if you go camping, you start playing, you know, or whatever, you're wrestling with the kids, you get really dirty, and, and you decide you want to clean up. You know, a lot of times when you get really dirty, you go camping, uh, I, I know a few times we, we go camping, like two or three days, you don't take a shower, you know, because you're camping. So you get all dirty, you don't realize it, because everybody's dirty. And then you come home, and you, you go in the shower, you start taking a shower, and as soon as the water starts cleaning you up, what do you start noticing? All the dirt, right? And you realize, man... I didn't realize I was that dirty. Well, here's why you didn't realize that was that you were that dirty, because everybody around you was dirty. You know, you come home and, and maybe somebody says, "Man, you smell bad." You're like, "I didn't realize I smelled that bad." Well, here's why: because everybody else smelled bad. But as soon as you started washing yourself and you started noticing what all the dirt and all the grime. And look, you, let me tell you something. If you're new to this thing of fundamentalism and Baptist and, and this type of mentality of hard preaching and all that, look, 
When you start coming to a Verity Baptist Church, as we start taking the Word of God, which the Bible refers to as, uh, as water, and we start spraying you with sermon after sermon and truth after truth from the water, here's what you're going to start noticing. A whole lot of grime coming off of you. You're going to be like, man, I didn't realize I was such a bad person. What do you think? Why you didn't realize you were such a bad person? Because you're hanging out with a whole bunch of bad people. But you start letting the water clean you, and you're going to start seeing, and here's, Lord willing, what will happen is less and less dirt will start coming off of you. The longer you walk with God, and the longer you move with God, and the more you read your Bible, and the more you pray, and the more you come to church, and the more you start purifying yourself, hopefully, Lord willing, you'll just start seeing less dirt. Amen. But that first shower after camping, you're going to see a whole lot of dirt coming off of you. Hey, that's exciting. It's exciting to see somebody grow. It's exciting to see. And you say, man, I didn't realize I was that dirty. I know. But here's the thing. When your kids go camping and you didn't go camping and they come home, you're going to realize, man, you stink. You need a shower. Why? Because you're clean and they're not. And as you start purifying yourself, and, and, and it seems kind of repetitive, but Enoch says, ungodly and ungodly and ungodly and ungodly. He says, man, are you beating a dead horse? But here's why. It's just very obvious to him. The sin in people's life. Because he's walking with God. What, what else... Let me give you another verse just so you understand it. I'd like you to go with me to the book of Amos. Amos chapter number 3. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of those last... It's towards the end. It's not the last book. But, um... Amos chapter number 3. And look at verse 3. It's a very important verse. I want you to see it. Amos chapter number 3. It's right after the book of Joel. And it's right before the book of Obadiah. Amos chapter number 3. It's one of those last prophets there in the, uh, in the Old Testament. What does it mean when the Bible says Enoch walked with God? Well, it means he was purifying. Let me show you. Amos chapter number 3 and look at verse number 3. Amos chapter number 3 and look at verse number 3. The Bible says, Can two walk together? Except they be agreed. Now it's asking you a question, but here's the answer. No. You cannot walk with somebody unless you agree with that somebody. You know what that tells me? When God says Enoch walked with God, you know what that means? Enoch agreed with God. Because God said, can two walk together except they be agreed? So that means every time Enoch came to the Bible and there was a disagreement... Every time Enoch opened the Bible and he started reading something, he says, man, you know, I'm doing that. I didn't realize that was a sin. Well, here's what Enoch did because he walked with God. This is what he did. He said, well, God's right. I'm wrong. I'm going to agree with God. Because can two walk together except they be agreed? That's what the Bible says, right? So the Bible says you can't walk with somebody unless you agree with them. But Enoch walked with God. And what does that mean? Enoch agreed with God. Every time Enoch came to the Bible, and the Bible said, and, and you know, because this is what the Bible does. Do you realize that most of the things in the Bible are things we're not doing? And every, the more you get to read the Bible, the more you realize how much of a sinner you are. That's why the Bible says that the law was not given to, 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 it couldn't save us. All it could do is condemn us, because every time we read the Bible, we realize, man, I'm a sinner. So the more he walked with God, the more he agreed with God, because if he didn't agree with God, he wouldn't walk with God. Now here's the sad thing. We watch the people you're walking with and we realize they're walking together because they agree together. You ever heard this term? Birds of a feather flock together. Very common term, isn't it? And it's true, according to the Bible. See, you're walking with people that are doing wrong and that, what that tells everyone else. You might think you're fooling us, but what that tells everyone else who watches is, hey, those two birds are the same feather. Because can two walk together except they be agreed? That's what the Bible says. Be careful who your friends are. Be careful who you're spending time with. 
I, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. If you come to Verity Baptist Church, you're my friend. But I'm very careful who I spend time with. And I'm very careful who I allow to influence me. Because whether I, whether I want to or not, when you spend time with people, you allow their philosophies, and you allow their mentalities, and you allow the things that they do and, and, and they believe to influence you. That's why you can't walk with somebody unless you agree with them. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Enoch walked with God. What does that mean? He was purifying himself. What does that mean? He agreed with God. What else does that mean? Enoch walked with God. That means that Enoch was on fire for God. Enoch was on fire for God. Let me show you quickly. Go with me to the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Chapter number 24. Luke, chapter number 24. I want to show you a story. Luke, chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24. Look at what the Bible says. Luke chapter number 24. Look at verse 13. Luke chapter number 24 and look at verse 13. Is it hot in here? Everybody kind of warm? Is that, if you're fine, raise your hand. Are you good? Four people. If you're warm, raise your hand. One person. Three people. Four, three. Oh, man. All right. If you did not understand the question, raise your hand. <laughs> All right. I guess we're just going to have to leave it because there's more that are better than not. I'm always hot, but I'm up here preaching. So, Look at Luke chapter number 24. I apologize if you're warm. I got your hopes up and I did nothing about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Luke chapter number 24. Look at verse 13. Luke chapter number 24. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. Now I want you to understand what's going on. These are two disciples of Jesus Christ. They're not part of the twelve. They're not part of the twelve apostles. But they're two disciples of Jesus Christ, and they're walking along the way. And they talk together of all things which had happened. The context of the story is this. Jesus has just been crucified. And he had been buried, and this is just three days earlier. You'll see that in the passage. And he has risen from the grave at this point, but they don't really know whether he has or hasn't. And his disciples are not sure if it's true that he actually rose from the grave. So these two disciples are walking along the way, and they're, and they, the Bible says they talk together of these things which had happened. So they're talking about, man, did you hear? They said Jesus rose from the grave. I don't know if that's true. Man, what's going on? Look at verse 15. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, look what it says, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. So now Jesus himself comes along and they're walk, and he's walking with them. They're walking with Jesus. But they don't know it. Because they think Jesus is dead. They're not really expecting him. And, and the Bible says that their eyes were holding. So uh, some sort of a miracle where they didn't recognize him. And they didn't realize that they were walking with Jesus. But this third person starts walking with them. And they're walking down the street with Jesus Christ. Now I don't have time to prove it. We preached on this before. But Jesus is God. We're not, you know, we, that's what we believe. We believe Jesus is God. So Jesus is walking down the street with these two men. God is walking down the street with these two men. And look what it says. Verse 17. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk, and are sad? So I want you to see that. The Bible, Jesus Christ said to them, Why are you sad? Why are you talking this way? They said, They're sad that, uh, uh, because they thought Jesus Christ is dead, supposedly. 
Look at verse 18. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, look what he, this is funny, he answers, this is what he says to this man, he doesn't know who he is, it's just this third person who started walking with them, and he says, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and has not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And he said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. So they say to this third person, are you understanding the story? They're walking down the street. They're talking about, man, can you believe what happened to Jesus? Oh, what are we going to do? Jesus Christ himself starts walking with them, but they didn't recognize it was Jesus. They couldn't tell that it was Jesus. And as he's walking, he said, man, why are you so sad? Why, why are you talking about these things? They said, and, and they respond to him, are you some sort of a foreigner? Are you some sort of a stranger? Are you some sort of a tourist who just came to this country? Like, don't you know? What has been happening? Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus of Nazareth was was crucified and he was buried and he and he died. And and here's why they were sad. Look at verse 21, Luke 24, 21. He said, "But we trusted that it had been He which should redeem Israel." And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So they're saying. We believed, we trusted that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. We trusted that He was the Savior. We trusted that He was the Redeemer. And now He's dead. And He's been dead for three days. They're having this conversation. I mean, it's kind of comical if you think about it. They're talking to Jesus Christ. They're saying, man, we're sad because Jesus Christ died. And He's been dead for three days. And Jesus thinks to himself, huh? No one told me? You know what I'm saying? He's walking around the street saying, I didn't, I didn't know He was dead. Because He wasn't dead. He was standing right there. But look at verse 22. Luke 24, 22. Yea, and certain women also of our company, they're talking to him. They're explaining to him what's going on. They said, Yea, and certain women of, uh, also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. So they're saying, hey, look, we don't know if he's alive. Some women are saying that, 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 they, that he's alive, and they saw an angel. The angel said he was alive. And then some guys went over there, and the tomb is empty, but they didn't see him. We don't know what's going on. We're sad. We're scared. We don't know what happened. Jesus Christ is dead. We thought he was a redeemer. We thought he was a Messiah. You understand what's going on? But they're walking with Jesus. Look at verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into the glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. So, Jesus Christ gets kind of upset. He says, man, you're a fool. You're, you, you, you don't understand the Bible. And the Bible says He begins at, at Moses, and He starts to explain to them all the prophecies of the Messiah. He says, this was supposed to happen. The Christ was supposed to die. He was supposed to be buried for three days. He is going to rise from the grave. And He's explaining all these things to them. Look at verse 28. Keep in mind, they're walking with Jesus. They're walking with God. Remember Enoch walked with God? They're walking with, with God right now. And he's explaining to them, hey, don't be sad. This was supposed to happen. Jesus Christ was supposed to die. Look at verse 28. And they drew nigh into the village, whither they went. 
And he, referring to Jesus Christ, made as though he would have gone further. So they're walking down the street, you know, they're going down this road, and they get to the village they're going to, and I, I kind of envision like this, it veers into the village, and then the road keeps going, and they start going to the village, and Jesus Christ just kind of pretends like he's going to keep on walking. He just keeps, keeps walking uh, as they go into the village. Look at verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. So they said, hey, hey, it's late. Uh, why don't you just come stay with us? Don't, don't keep traveling. Just come stay with us. Abide with us. Look at verse 30. Luke 24, 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them. And look what it says in verse 31. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Now that's a pretty interesting story, isn't it? I mean, Jesus Christ just rose from the grave and they don't know it. They're walking down the street talking about Jesus Christ and they're sad. And Jesus Christ himself starts walking down the street with them. Some, some people say, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but they said that they might have walked seven miles. Uh, based on what the story there tells us, the, the distance that they were walking, they might have walked somewhere between five or seven miles is what I've heard. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, you know, they're, they're walking. They're, they're going down this road. They're walking with Jesus. They... They, they get to their village. He keeps on walking. They say, hey, why don't you come, come with us? It's late. And he says, all right. So he goes with them. They're having a dinner. And when they're having dinner, the Bible says their eyes were open. And they realize this whole time, it's been Jesus Christ. This whole time, he's been walking with us. And Jesus vanished out of their sight. And this is what I want you to see. Look at verse 32. Luke 24, 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things they were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. But I want you to look back at 32. This is what they said after they just spent the whole day walking with God. They spent the whole day walking with Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus, but they're just listening to God through His Word. They're listening to Jesus Christ take the Bible and expound to them and preach to them and explain to them. And they're walking down the road of life. And here's what they say. The one statement that someone who physically walked with Jesus, walked with God. Here's what they said. Verse 32. Did not our hearts burn within us. So what does it say? When somebody walks with Jesus, the Bible, according to the Bible, you can't but burn in your heart. You know what that means? That means that they were on fire. They said, man, we were sad. We were depressed. We were discouraged. We're going through life. We're thinking, what are we going to do? This man that we trusted, we left our... Remember, they left their fortunes. They left their jobs. They left the, the fishing business. And they left everything. And they were walking with Jesus. And they trusted that He was a Redeemer. And they said, now He's gone. And they're discouraged. But, as soon as they start walking with Jesus, that fire starts burning. As soon as they start walking with God, that fire starts burning. And they said, when they understood that they spent the day with God, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? And you know what? We've gotten to this place where you say, man, my heart is so cold. I, I'm not really on fire for God. There was a day when I was on fire for God, but now I'm not on fire anymore. Maybe the reason is because you're not walking with God. Maybe the reason is because you're not walking with God and you're not allowing God to expound the scriptures in your life. What does it mean that Enoch walked with God? Here's what it means. He was on fire for God. Because you can't but get on fire for God when you're walking with Jesus. You say, I'm so cold. I, I, I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like doing right. I, I feel like I've just gotten so cold to the things of God. Here's why. You're not walking with God. You're not walking with Jesus. 
What does it mean to walk with God? It means you purify your life. What does it mean to walk with God? It means you agree with God. What does it mean to walk with God? It means you're on fire for God. Because when you're walking with Jesus, you can't but get on fire for God. You say, I want to get on fire for God. Start walking with Jesus. How do I walk with Him? Well, how did, what were they doing? See, here's the thing. You want to know how I know when somebody's walking with Jesus? When I, when I start walking with somebody who's walking with Jesus, you know what they're talking about? What, what was Jesus talking about? Oh, did you watch that? Whatever game. Stupid game. I don't know what. I don't even know what sport's playing right now. Whatever it is, it's stupid. Is that what Jesus was talking about? Did you watch the Lakers? Is that what Jesus was talking about? Did you watch the Cowboys? What was Jesus talking about? He was talking about the Bible. He was talking about the Scriptures. He was talking about prophecy. He was like, Enoch said, hey! There's eternity. But you walk around... Did you watch that new movie, you know, Batman 17? You know, they keep coming out with these stupid movies over and over again. Did you watch that stupid show on the television? You know, the one where the girls half naked? That, that one, that one. It could be yeah, it was all of them. Because they're all half naked on TV. Is that what Jesus was talking about? No. When you walk with Jesus, you talk about what? Eternal things. And you purify your life. And you get holy. And at first it's a little depressing because you start seeing all that dirt. But eventually you start, man, you start getting that fire. And you start getting, you start walking with God, and you start getting that fire, and you get on fire for God. That's what the Bible says. Enoch walked with God. What does that mean? It means he was on fire for God. Number three, Enoch walked with God. What does that mean? He walked by faith. Let me read for you a verse. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 7. It says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. You know you're supposed to walk by faith? The Bible says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. You have to walk by faith. Let me give you just a real quick example of what we've done. I promise. I know the cheesecake is melting and it's just so delicious. I don't, I don't necessarily like cheesecake, so it's not, it doesn't really affect me. But I, I know it's back there and man, it looks good. So let's just do this fast, right? If we listen fast, we can be done fast and we can be eating the cheesecake that much faster. Go to Joshua chapter number 5. It's the wrong time to say man. Joshua chapter number 5. Let me show you something just real quick. John chap- Joshua chapter number 5. In the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua, Joshua chapter number five. I want you to just see something real quick. It's a story of Jericho. I can't get uh, I can't get the whole thing in there. Uh, I'm not going to preach the whole story of Jericho. It's too much. I just want you to see something real quick. Joshua chapter number five, and look at verse thirteen. Joshua, Joshua chapter number five, and look at uh, verse. 13. Joshua chapter number 5 and look at verse 13. The Bible says, And it came to pass, are you there? It says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went out and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? I want you to understand this. This is right before the children of Israel are get, they're getting ready to take the city of Jericho. They're getting ready to go into battle with the city of Jericho. They're getting ready to go to war with the city of Jericho. And I, I imagine Joshua being the great leader that he is. He's standing up and maybe he's just doing one last surveillance of the city. He's just maybe uh, checking one last time and maybe looking at the plans and just going in circle. Maybe he's praying. The Bible says about Joshua many times that he rose up early in the morning and maybe he's praying and he's just preparing for this battle. And as he's out there, the Bible says he sees this man, and Joshua, he sees this man standing there with a sword, and he asks him this question, Art thou for us, or for our adversaries? He's saying, hey, are you with us, or are you against us? Look at verse 14. And he said, now, let me just explain this to you. This is Jesus Christ. 
This is an Old Testament uh, appearance of Jesus Christ. You said, I didn't know that Jesus Christ appeared in the Old Testament. He did. He didn't appear in North America, like the Mormons say, but he did appear in the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. You say, well, how is that? Look, Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is eternal. So he could do that. But look at verse 14. So he's talking to Jesus Christ. And, he's, and he said, this is what Jesus Christ answered him. He said, nay. Because remember, what did he ask him? Are thou for us or against us? Are you with us or with our adversaries? And Jesus Christ said, nay. He said, and this is funny, it's not part of the sermon, but he said, neither. I'm not for you or against you. He said, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. See, Jesus Christ said, hey, look, because a lot of times we go to Jesus and we say, God, are you with me or are you against me? Are you and, and here's what God answers. I'm not with you or against you. I'm here to take over. Isn't that, isn't that good? He said, nay, I'm not with you and I'm not against you. But as the captain of the host of the Lord am I not come. He said, Joshua, I'm not with you. I'm not your enemy and I'm not going to fight with you. I'm just coming to take over this whole situation. And, and God many times works that way. And Joshua, look what Joshua did. He fell on his face to the earth and did worship. The only person that ever will accept worship is God. So obviously this was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And look at verse 15. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Lose thy sh-. He said, well, before we get started, just lose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereunto thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Again, not part of the sermon, but you see there, the only person who could ever say that is God. They say, hey, why don't you just take your shoes off? Because you're, you're standing in a place that is holy. What, what was so special about that place? That God was standing there. That's what made it special. Be careful who you call holy. You know, all these religions want to give these titles to people and say, holy so-and-so or holy so-and-so. Hey, God is holy. Uh, me, me and Brother Justin were talking about that uh, uh, yesterday while I was soul winning. And uh, a Hispanic man got saved and I gave him the gospel in Spanish. And... Um, and he noticed uh, that, uh, that my Bible said, Santa Biblia. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize the word Santa means holy. And he's like, man, all these people are going around calling Santa Claus holy? He's like, isn't that a little blasphemous? And I'm like, yeah, it is a little blasphemous. It's also a little blasphemous when people say, holy mother of God or holy father referring to a man. That's a little blasphemous. Because the only person... See, Joshua bowed down and worshipped this man. Why? Because he was God. Jesus Christ in the flesh. And, the, and Jesus Christ said, hey, why don't you just take your shoes off? This ground is holy. Well, what's so special about the ground? God is standing there. That's what makes it holy. But look, so, so God appears. Look at chapter number 6 and verse 1. Look at chapter number 6 and verse 1. We're doing good. We're almost done. Don't you worry. Joshua chapter number 6 and look at verse 1. The Bible says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given, thee thy, I have given into thine hand Jericho. So, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. So, so Jesus Christ says to him, hey, I've already given you a city. The victory's already won. Don't you worry. Joshua says, I haven't fought the battle yet. I know. I've already given to you. Look at verse 3. And Jesus Christ begins to explain to him, this is how you're going to win the battle, Joshua. See, Joshua wasn't dumb. He already had a, a battle plan. He had to. He already had a, a, a what he already had planned what he was going to do. But Jesus Christ shows up and he messes everything up. He says, no, 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 you're not going to do it that way. You're going to do it this way. And look what he says. And ye shall come past the city. Look at verse 3. And ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once, thus shall thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear uh, before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall come past the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpet. 
And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now I don't know, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this battle strategy is not found in any battle book ever. You know, what was that famous book, uh, The Art of War? I'm sure this is not found in The Art of War. Here's, here's what Jesus Christ says to Joshua. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the city. You're gonna, no one's going to say anything. You're going to walk around the city one time. The first day. Then you're going to walk, go to that city. Do you remember the story from when you were a little kid? You remember learning about the walls of Jericho? So you're going to go to the city the second day. No one's going to say anything. You're going to walk around the city that second time. You're going to go home. And he said you're going to do that six times. And on the sixth day, you're going to go back. And you're going to do that seven times. You're going to go around the city once. And twice. And three. And four. And on the seventh day, the seventh time you go around the city, the trumpet's going to blow. Everybody's going to shout. And God said, I'm going to miraculously just disintegrate the walls. And then you're going to go in and you're going to take the city. Isn't that amazing? I mean, wouldn't it take faith just to do that? But look at Joshua chapter number 6 and look at verse 6. I want you to see this. Joshua chapter number 6 and look at verse 6. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on, and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew the trumpet and the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpet. And the real war came after the Ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpet. Look at verse 10. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make a noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth. And look what he says, Until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. I want you to notice this. Jesus Christ comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, he gives them a full plan, an entire plan. He says, Joshua, no one's going to talk. You're going to go to the city, you're going to go around it once a day for six days. On the seventh day, you're going to go around it seven times. Everybody's going to shout, and I'm going to give you the city. But when Joshua comes to the people, notice he didn't give them that whole plan. What did Joshua say? He said, go to the city, shut your mouth, when I tell you to shout, shout. He didn't give them the entire plan. Did you notice that? Don't you hate when people do that? Did your parents ever do that to you when they, they didn't tell you, ever, you know, they didn't give you the exact plan, they, they didn't say, hey, I'm going to come pick you up, and then we're going to, uh, you know, take you to the dentist, and then after the dentist, I'm going to take you over here, and then after that, I'm going to take you for ice cream. But if they would have told you all that, you would have been happy, but they didn't tell you that. They said, I'm going to come pick you up, get ready, we're going to the dentist. You know, they didn't tell you, that's what Josh is doing. He said, hey, here's what you're going to do. When I tell you to shout, you shout. If I tell you to be quiet, you be quiet. If I tell you to walk, walk. If I tell you to stop walking, stop walking. Jesus Christ gave him the entire plan. Joshua knew everything that was going to happen, but the people didn't. And here's what happened. Joshua said, it's time to walk. And here's what the people started doing. Walking. Can you imagine that? They went around the city one time. Joshua said, let's go home. They went home. They did that the next day. They went around the city. Joshua said, walk. Don't talk. They started walking. Nobody talking. He said, all right, we're done. They went home. They did that the third day. I imagine the fourth day, they're probably thinking, see, see, Joshua knew we're doing this for seven days. The people didn't know that. As far as they're concerned, I mean, I, I'm guessing if it was me, I'd be walking on the fourth day and I'm thinking to myself, how many times are we going to do this, Joshua? 
Are we going to walk around the city 40 days in a row, 50 days in a row, 6 days in a row? They don't know. Imagine those 7 days rolls around, and they walk around the city. They're expecting, alright, we walked around the city one time, we're done now. And Joshua said, no, keep walking. And they walk around the city again, they're like, oh, this is different. Right? Because he hasn't given them all the plans yet. He's just telling them, do what I say. And what do they do? They just kept walking. They go around it a second time, and it comes around the third time, and maybe they're wondering, are we, gonna, are we done now? Are we going home? And Joshua says, keep walking. And they keep walking. And maybe they're going around the city the fourth time, and now they're thinking to themselves, man, this is different, but not necessarily good. How many times are we going to walk around the city? Because Joshua knew they were walking around the city seven times on the seventh day, but he never told them that, not according to the Scriptures. But here's what they did. They just kept walking. They just kept walking. They just kept walking. And eventually, the seventh day, on the seventh time around the city, Joshua said, shout! And they shouted, and the walls came tumbling down, and the rest is history. They took the city. But imagine this. I would imagine this. There might have been some people on the seventh day, the fourth lap around, who might have said, you know what? I'm done with this. And walked off. Could you imagine that? I mean, if people in Israel were like people today, I could see that. I could see people maybe getting up the third day and saying, you know what, Joshua? I'm tired of walking around the city. You let me know when something's going to happen, but I'm just going to stop walking right now because I don't. this is just ridiculous. We're just walking around the city, walking around the city, walking around the city. We're not doing anything. But those people who just said, I don't know what Joshua's deal is, I don't know if he's gone insane, but I'm just going to keep on walking. They just kept on walking. The fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, they kept walking. They didn't know how many times they were going to walk. But that seventh time, when the, when, the, when the walls fell, I promise you, they were glad they kept walking. Pastor Jimenez, what is your point? Here's my point. In, go, go to Hebrews chapter number 11, please. Hebrews in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter number 11. Let me just read a verse for you. Here's my point. We're done. Hebrews chapter number 11 says this. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had translated him uh, for before his translation. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Now here's the thing. Enoch, the Bible says Enoch walked with God. And he walked with God. And he walked with God. And the Bible says that God was so pleased with Enoch's walk that God didn't even kill Enoch. He said, you know what? I love your company so much. I'm just going to bring you up onto heaven. And, and Enoch raptured. God raptured Enoch. You know, one day we believe that we're going to get raptured out of this world. God did that individually for Enoch. He said, Enoch, I love your company so much. I'm just going to take you on home right now. He didn't even bother to kill him. The Bible says that he didn't see death. He just took him up home. He translated him up. What does that, what does that tell you? Well, that's, here's what it tells me. Enoch just kept walking. Until he had the victory. What was his hope? One day Jesus Christ is going to come. And he just kept walking. And he kept walking. And he kept walking. And one day, what, what was he? With Jesus Christ in heaven. I don't understand. Here's the point. Wouldn't it be sad to be on the sixth lap on the seventh day and quit walking and say, you know what, I'm done with this, I'm going home. Joshua, you're insane. No, you've done it every day, six days in a row. On the seventh day, you're on the sixth lap and you say, I am done with this. And you just walk off and you miss the victory. Wouldn't that be sad? Wouldn't it be sad if instead of the Bible said of Enoch, Enoch walked with God for a short amount of time and then he stopped. But that's not what it says. It says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. I'm, try, I'm trying to tell you this. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. You say, Pastor Jimenez, I, you don't understand my life. I've done so many bad things. I know, but just keep walking. I, I'm so discouraged. There's so much going on. I, I trusted in Jesus and now I feel let down. I know, just keep walking. And if you just keep walking and walking and walking like those disciples with Jesus, they said, hey, eventually, 
eventually we had the victory. And, and the children of Israel said, I'm just going to keep walking. And Joshua's insane, but I'm going to keep walking. And I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to keep walking. And eventually they had the victory. But not the people who quit walking. And Enoch sought God, but not if he would have quit walking. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7 and verse 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. You say, the beginning of my life was kind of messed up. Well, end it right. Because the Bible says, hey, if you end right, it's better than beginning right. What would you rather do? Begin wrong and end right, or begin right and end wrong? The Bible says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Remember the Apostle Paul? He started off his life as a Pharisee. He started off his life killing Christians and, and taking Christians to court and, and taking them out of their houses and, and watching them get stoned. And he started his life really bad. But in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse 6, Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul says, I'm, I'm finishing my life, Timothy. I want to tell you that I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to depart. And here's what Paul says. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day, and not to me only but unto all them also that love His appearing. Wouldn't it have been sad if on that sixth lap, that seventh day of Paul's life, he would have just stop walking? Pastor Manus, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, won't you just decide to walk with God? Won't you just decide to walk? By faith, Enoch was translated, and he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Here's the testimony of Enoch. That he pleased God. How do you please God? How do you walk with God? You agree with God? You get on fire for God? You purify your life? And you just stay faithful at it? Just keep going. I'm discouraged, just keep going. I'm hurt, just keep going. I'm confused, just keep going. And I promise you, just keep walking with God. At the end, you'll see the victory. But not if you quit. The only way to fail is to quit. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Lord, I don't know what these people need to hear. I just pray you would take the word preached and you would help them to be encouraged.